Welcome, one and all, to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Can I help you, Creeper? The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall, is brought to you by Nexus. Nexal Promicide, 10.3%, because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it? Pete, with only two episodes to go after this week for WandaVision, uh, not only are we, of course, looking ahead to The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is dated for uh, March 19th, Loki, which is dated for some anonymous date in May, which we are projecting to be May 21st. Uh, But also in the last week, they've announced that there's going to be a not Disney Gallery, but Disney Gallery uh, episode uh, of the making of this season. So a behind the scenes thing. Uh, Joking aside, I am surprised that they're not sticking with the Disney Gallery label, but what's it called? Marvel Assemble or something? Yes, yes. And, you know, between the clip show that we get we got the wanda and vision uh one prior to wanda vision starting hey here's the cliff notes version of these characters uh surely we're going to get one on the titular characters for falcon and the winter soldier so you get the preview you get the behind the scenes hear how this series was made i'm super anxious to dig into that and of course you know that will be part of our uh, rap coverage after the season of WandaVision. But Matt, what dawned on me today is that a month from today, we will be podcasting our first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a podcast feed that is already going on Apple Podcasts and FantasticGeek.com. Yes, and of course, that will be simulcast as well to our pop culture podcast feed. And Pete, I'm glad that you mentioned that we will be doing a season wrap episode for WandaVision. Uh, Of course, a bunch of new subscribers uh, in this cycle for WandaVision here. So just want to make it clear to our new listeners that, uh, yeah, the week after the WandaVision finale, uh, we traditionally, at the end of a season, we traditionally do a season wrap, one more look back. And then, of course, it'll be supercharged uh, with our, our WandaVision retrospective, uh, it'll be supercharged with that uh, that uh, Marvel Assembled or whatever it's called. Uh, Pete, I really wish that they just stuck with Disney Gallery because that made sense as an overall label. But, you know, that, that kind of behind-the-scenes making-of kind of thing, it's got to be more insightful than the average one. I mean, it's always great to know, here's the sound mix, here's the costumer's philosophy on, you know, picking leather patterns and things like that. But to sit and go, how did they make this? How was the... How how are all the secrets constructed, the twists, the turns, and all of that? I can't wait. Here's the story of a lovely lady. Pete, what's the story? Wanda wakes in her bed and reaches over to find an empty space where Vision would be. In a bathrobe-clad confessional, she says, we've all been there. Letting our fear and anger getting the best of us, intentionally expanding the borders of our false world we created, not I, we, interesting choice of words, uh, complete with a modern family, whimsical, music-esque flashback to the uh, insane terror of the hex expanding and swallowing uh, sword and FBI agents. 
She sighs, goes back under the covers. When the boys come running in to ask if she's coming down soon because their video game is freaking out. Flashback cutaway here to video game controllers. It seems, Matt, everything's going backwards to a Nintendo GameCube controller, then an Atari, then Uno, not even plugged in. Gosh, come on, Mom. Uh, she's not sleeping, however, Matt. She's resting her eyes. Resting her eyes. Pete, this docu-style episode, I think it's... I could tell how maybe it wasn't the the, the real comfort zone for uh, Elizabeth Olsen here, or maybe maybe it was some of the camera work that just oh completely disagree. Okay, fair enough. Um, but certainly the docu style here, well well presented. Um, Pete, I just have to personally mention I like that the 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 use of Uno here, the game for cheats. Uh, maybe I say that because <laughs> I lose Uno often to my sister in law who. Uh, probably does not cheat, but I, I contend nonetheless she does. But I digress. Uh, we have the line here that uh, just as mommy needs to rest her eyes, uh, Billy is hearing so, so many voices. Um, and, and then, Pete, the line that had me scratching my head, when was this filmed? Prior to the shutdown or after they resumed filming? But uh, shush, boys, mom's taking a quarantine-style vaca- staycation. Staycation, yes. I mean, yes. must have been filmed after the shutdown, but still, it was just kind of this, like, what? Like, their, their world is our world, and I'm a little more scared. The snake eating the tail, truly. Elizabeth Olsen's Julie Bowen impression in this episode cannot go without notice or mention. Whether you are aware of Modern Family and you've watched it, or, uh, you know, just to look at the comparisons, okay, uh, the mannerisms uh, absolutely nailed it. Covers off here, still in the Halloween costume with the heavy sigh here. She comes down the stairs, aloof as the boys fight right in front of her, uh, grabs the almond milk, which turns to regular milk and then into a glass container. Uh, must be a case of the Mondays. Am I right? <laughs> uh, a couple other details here. Pete, I suspect these are details that maybe do not tie into the grand mythos of the series, but I want to mention them just in case. The boys are fighting over a Wiimote, so I guess they're not at the Nintendo Switch era of, of life yet. Uh, also, the addition of great shopper apple juice. Pete, that means that Wanda is a Walmart shopper. Read into that whatever villainy you might want to. Um, and then, of course, Wanda eating sugar snaps and breathless discovery by BuzzFeed to say, do you get it, Pete? It's sugar snaps. Snaps. Thanos. Do you get it? Uh, I think we all just looked at it and said... It, is this the same clickbait that pointed out the, the stork as a... As, as a, an Easter egg. As an Easter egg. I mean, you, you know, when the camera lingered for a moment on the stork and its iconic, now iconic, red smoke and whatnot. But, Pete, gracious. we're all w- part of this WandaVision ecosystem here. It's okay. WNDA TV station on in the background here. Uh, and the subtitles reveal a line, not a thing weighing heavily on your conscience. Uh, as we head into what are 
definitively the office style uh, title card credits here. Uh, I love the panning back on the I know what you are doing, Wanda, uh, serial killer style uh, letters. Um, and that all of this, because, again, you know, we the boundaries we created all of this credited created by Wanda Maximoff. Yes. A lie there. And of course the through line for most of the credits here, Wanda, 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 then in the modern family style, we get Wanda vision. Uh, but I think clearly the subtext being that, that vision uh, is being shut out of the credits to, to a certain degree. Uh, and then, as stated, Pete, the lie here that's all created by Wanda Maximoff. Uh, the story then moves outside of uh, of the Hex in the Sword Temporary Retreat. Hayward is told that the show broadcast now is sharing uh, but dead air, and he says that the team should prep for launch today. Uh, today, of course, not actually this episode. Uh, this overall an episode, I suspect, that is taking things from the first six, starting to pivot towards the final stretch of the last two episodes. Not a complaint, Pete, just a fact for how TV works sometimes. We head back into the Hex Vision, waking up at the circus, formerly the Sword Base. Uh, the strongman finds him. You're the new clown, already in makeup and so forth. You should be over there rehearsing with the escape artist, Pete. Director Matt Shackman showing a very uh, a very tidy camera move where it's it's a two shot between the the strongman and Vision. A mere camera turn to show Darcy uh, in the distance, ostensibly chained to the uh, to the truck. Uh, of course, reinterpreted in this circus motif. Um, <laughs> there's the Are line you sure here. he's a strong man and not a sword swallower? Um, uh, Pete, I think either would work. He he did look a bit muscly. Uh, you know, it I, is the dude that handcuffed her to the truck. Ooh, that is a nice touch. I did who not. Uh... Some people also think may have denied Darcy coffee early on oh that's interesting that i'd have to go back and check i'm not <laughs> pete i'm up on all the sword theories on all the who's the aeronautical engineer theories uh is vision actually alive or not theories pete i was even taking screenshots of some of the close-ups of vision's eyes in this episode because it had been pointed out uh elsewhere that he he has human eyes and used to have robot eyes and to me they look more Robotty in this episode and so forth, but I must confess I was not keeping track of coffee guy relative to handcuff guy relative to uh, can we can we compromise and call him leotard guy in this episode? Whatever works. So anyhow, there's the great line here how Darcy uh, had put in to be the bearded lady, but not with this alabaster complexion. Um, and then Vision recognizes her, you know, from last night. She misreads him as hitting on her because we're in a situation comedy yes back to uh wanda and vision's home where the kids there those were definitely wemotes they're in little black uh um cases that they're playing with so those were the first remotes they had uh playing the games here as uh mom changes the channel and billy wants to talk about re-killing dad uh, that is, of course, credited, or he heard about that from Uncle P. 
uh, and quickly told Uncle P is not your uncle. Don't trust him. Uh, Pete, I think that's both working on the literal story level and also it's a little bit of a clue to we, the audience members, again, part of the part of the uh, story weight that this episode and the following two need to to deal with is making sure that we are truly properly oriented out of the mystery and into full understanding by the end of the season. Um, but Wanda's saying, uh, Mom has no answers. She's starting to believe that everything is meaningless, but you can uh, draw your own conclusions, she says, Pete, giving us permission to have this podcast across <laughs> the multiverse. It's like she tunes in for the theories, Matt. With that, Agnes is at the door, let in with a burst of uh, casual red magic from uh, from Wanda. Agnes notices that Wanda is definitely off. Uh, Agnes says in her own uh, one-on-one slash confessional uh, that uh, Wanda is one split end away from cutting her own bangs. I must confess, Pete, I wasn't initially sure as to whether that was figurative or literal or both. Um, but uh, ultimately, Agnes takes the boys. Pete, isn't she a nice helper to help out this friend here? <laughs> and in the purple, which resonates when you go back and watch this, of course. Uh, oh, absolutely. There's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some, I, I'll say basic, and that somehow sounds negative. I don't mean it that way. This is a show that's meant clearly for rewatch and you know for anybody who in no way had agnes on their radar or for people who very much had agnes on their radar it, it works both ways uh first view with theories first view with no theories repeat view if you know how this episode or i guess potentially future episodes end the fact that there she is clad in the in, in the purple and she's got purple magic uh, which is itself a handy uh differentiator it's 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 basic costuming to communicate story things it's very very effective um ultimately who's going to take care of wanda though not to worry the boys leave wanda has peace uh, except here we see that the details of the house start to change through the the years uh ultimately wanda wiggly woos them back and to the camera she reiterates she's fine she's fine she is fine here and agnes has never been a kid except one time she did with that we cut to monica and jimmy updating uh us nay themselves he's got that email uh that he has received from the cataract plans uh that uh of course from darcy uh hayward was trying to bring vision back online the sentient weapon was wanted back so again pete unless this is a big setup for what is probably 60 minutes left across the next two episodes um whoa 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 whoa, whoa. kevin feige's <laughs> sister-in-law's former hairstylist told somebody <laughs> about a we got this covered article that said the last three episodes will each be two and a half hours without credits pete i was i was told that matt you kid, and our listeners to last week's podcast know that we were very down on this extremely sketchy rumor, which, if one tracked it back through its sources, was according to Kevin Feige in an episode in a in an interview with Matt Shackman, where Matt Shackman said, 
uh, you know, views that views attributed to Matt Shackman somehow got transmogrified into Kevin Feige. So the whole thing was dubious. No, so I trust that none of our podcast listeners were surprised to see a 30 minute uh, without credits, 30 minute episode this week. Uh, there were definitely people online who were gobsmacked that this was not the hour that they were promised. All I can say, folks, is some of these theories we run down so you don't have to. Other theories, you know, check them out on your own. Certainly in-show theories, you know, is it that is is Agatha Harkness actually, you know, nightmare? I mean, the answer will be what that'll be. You can believe whatever you want. Uh, Kevin Feige told someone, you know, Kevin Feige told a member of the press that these will be hour-long episodes. There was just no basis in that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> proud that we got that one definitely right even though i would have liked the longer episode but there just wasn't the evidence i mean again for me on the length of these episodes they're what they need to be no one's getting sold short uh it's almost as silly matt as canceling disney plus um yeah and what i'll say is yes we are most invested in this show right now and it's proof that the weekly episode model keeps us wanting more but I would say if, if you're in charge of these properties, equally important as to wanting more is the fact that the discussion happens for seven days um, and loops around. And Pete, I'm usually dubious when there's reports of a streamer was uh, a streamer had an outage. I think that what happens is, oh, oh, okay, let me back up. Sometimes streamers have outages. That's true. I think if you're a PR person, what you do is you try and link that to something that's hot, even though it just might have been like, Amazon Web Services had a server go down in Brazil, and if you're if you know technology, you can see uh, that that led to the fact that I couldn't get to the, my latest uh, streamed episode of Great British Bake Off or whatever. Here's a fact, though: when this episode dropped at 3 a.m. Eastern, midnight Pacific, Disney Plus was down for 20 or 30 minutes. I think that's one can... not the case. I watched it at 3:18 a.m. Not even for a little bit, Pete, because there uh, were definitely I West had Coast people. Zero issues, and my cable is actually set to do its daily update at 3 a.m., uh, which has become problematic for me watching the show as soon as it's available on a couple times. And I tell the TV, the, uh, the overall cable, hey, don't do this one today, and, and hit me up tomorrow. Um, so is, I had is zero it issue. I had a title from the start, and I had zero issue as far as seeing this episode. So I'm slightly maybe that was regional. Um, I did see that that article that oh it, it crashed, and like you said, you know what do you what do you do and instead of CBS All Access, uh, you know soon to be Paramount Plus because uh, we're rebranding. Uh, a thing that never ever works um you know disney plus has nearly always worked that's true and while we're on cbs all access let's just if if you will permit me pete let's do a tangent for 30 seconds because i think it ties back to this marvel stuff that we're watching i read an article about how there's this there's this real big push at cbs all access slash paramount plus to like they're gonna reboot or redo criminal minds the show Criminal Minds, in order to bring more value to the back catalog. And they're going to do a CSI Las Vegas limited series 
thing with characters from the original show to bring value back to the catalog. And this is all up front. And I'm, I'm reading this going, what a cynical reason to make content. We're, here we are, we're watching WandaVision. This show was not made to give extra sizzle so you can go back and watch Age of Ultron. Is that a side effect? Absolutely. I'm sure that if we magically had Disney Plus uh, folks with us right here, they'd say, here's the graph of Age of Ultron since uh, Disney Plus launched. The big spike is after Pietro returned in WandaVision. But they're making this show to have value for its own story. And yes, of course, value to Disney Plus and subscriber numbers and click-through numbers. And uh, eventually down the line, there'll be a special Disney Plus subscriber extra thing if you go to the parks and blah, blah, blah. But that's all secondary to let's... And I, I, you know, I really genuinely believe that part of the Disney ethos, which has now uh, bled through to its, it, its major anchor you know, subdivisions, make the great story now... Then you tie merchandising, then you tie t-shirts, then you tie theme park, then you tie subscriber numbers to it, but make a great story that people are into, not, we need to get Gil Grissom back in CSI uh, for six episodes so the people go back and, and uh, you know, rewatch ten seasons of the original. Like, thank goodness these people are making WandaVision, and it's not... When you do a criminal uh, minds uh, overlap with CSI Las, or CSI Las Vegas and NCIS because it'll bring brand value. Let me get one more kick into CBS All Access here, Matt. Um, if they make these things, if they make them, um, will people be able to watch them on their infrastructure? Jury's out on that one. He, Pete, here's what the jury is not out on as we circle back squarely to WandaVision. I read this Monica and Jimmy scene where Jimmy has received the email where Jimmy is saying that Hayward was trying to bring Vision back online. He wanted his sentient weapon back. I read that again as, yes, there are all sorts of mysteries, but here is Hayward's plan. Now, if that's setting up Hayward as another big bad in the next two episodes, we'll talk about that in theories. But, you know, is it setting up the Hayward is actually Mephisto who's actually to the... Maybe. But what's the, you know... What's the mystery there? Well, now there's one less mystery. Hayward had Vision's body. He was creating a, a weapon. A little it's bit of a quest. A sentient weapon, sword. They've, uh, you know, reclaimed the, the first two letters there of that acronym for the Marvel Cinematic Universe here. It works fine. But Matt, take us to Monica's guy. Well, Pete, I know. We were really behind the guy who, Pete, I just want to say, okay. She said guy, though. Hang it on. was the show. Yeah, the show said guy. Now, uh, I know that we had, I don't want to quite say promised, because he, bottom line, Pete, look, Major Goodner representing. the show. You don't make the show. <laughs> we didn't promise anything. Well, well, that's just it, is we were very much behind the, the notion. I don't want to say behind. We were in the camp of. In episode 107, when the guy brings whatever he's bringing, uh, you know, will it be Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four or future Fantastic Four, whatever it might be? And we don't get that here. And what I want to say to this, particularly to the new listeners, is, you know, we're not this way i still believe that there's viability to that theory and we're going to circle back to it in theories it didn't pan out in this why season why can't he 
or other people show up in the next two episodes. I mean, Matt, one person. Uh, so the statement out of Paul Bettany is, uh, you know, I got to work with someone I've always wanted to work with. Um, you know, this this person, uh, you know, is going to show up. And somebody went through all of Bettany's IMDb uh, filmography oh, and, and eliminated all the name actors and, and put them all up. So it's everyone he's never worked with. There, there is actually a list out there. Um, but again, Reed Richards, you know, whomever else. Okay, so Major Goodner was the one there with, hey, here's our most heavily armored space rover. You know, uh, could it have been courtesy of your, your friend or anything like that. No, it wasn't. I, I don't think they would have applied uh, a male pronoun in dialogue to intentionally mislead us. Ah, you thought it was going to be a guy. It was a lady. You were wrong. I mean, I, I do think that was an intentional choice. Will it come back? Does it need to come back in WandaVision, Matt? Or post credit scene of Captain Marvel 2? steps into frame john krasinski hey did you get that space rover i sent you so for new listeners i want to say we're here for the discussion in this episode just just look at this episode by itself did we get the reed richards shows up as the guy with the thing made to monica's specs did we get that wrong we did I think it still is viable for the future but i just wanted to contrast especially for the new listeners i want to contrast our perspective which is different than say you know pete we, we 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 know some folks who went all in on a bunch of really really great really viable theories for uh the last jedi and those theories did not pan out and then the blame became well the movie has it wrong because they didn't write it my way. And I just wanted to delineate, we went in big last week. Pete, if we had chips, we would have put all in on Reed Richards in this episode. We would have lost all those chips. We're still here for the discussion, for the fun. It's not that the show has let us down. It's not the fault of the show. We're just trying to, we're, we're playing with the show, not dictating to what the show should do. Um, although I think it would have been a cool reveal. And like I said, uh, said before, I'm also not giving up on it as a theory. But ultimately, Pete, Major Goodner here. And I want to... Pete, I would like you to clarify something for me. Because I feel like what I'm about to review here is some cognitive dissonance. Major Goodner has um, brought the rover, which has been tuned to Monica's specs. And then later, references made to have the fact that this pre-made sword rover is the toughest one in their stock. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pushing in the word pre-made, pushing in the word stock, but was this thing sitting on a shelf or was this 3D printed in the last 12 hours because Monica <laughs> called for help? Yeah, they, they adapted again to her specs here. The, the loyalty, Matt, we pledge our swords to the listeners and this splinter of sword loyal to uh captain monica rambo loyal to uh truth shall we say matt and uh most interestingly that we've got a hexagonal uh vehicle that we've got hexagonal tents we've got the the big 
shots of the hex itself visually uh really good job of uh getting that idea across even from above there's a gigantic hex on the top of this vehicle back inside westview pete this next scene i'm not going to say that they made this uh this episode uh with you and me in mind of course that would be haughty and ridiculous but here we are fresh off the one scene where we guessed wrong at least in the short term uh we're back inside westview where the circus is practicing and vision passes a fool the guesser sign <laughs> Pete, probably just somebody in somebody doing sketches for for uh you know pre-visualization stuff was like oh what do you have in the circus is that they sketched it there or somebody in you know the circus that they hired the georgia Bay circus that they hired had a fool the guesser booth or or you know uh, Billy Bob in in set decoration was like, oh, I'll do a fool of the guesser backdrop or whatever. Or Pete, it was put there to to chastise us for going all in on Reed Richards. I don't know what the truth is, yes, but they, you, you know, almost a year ago, <laughs> they went back and did that. What's interesting is that it's a day now at the circus, and when the hex had expanded to capture. All these uh, personnel and vehicles and, you know, this this operating base, uh, it converted right then to a circus. So clearly there's an issue as far as, uh, you know, what era things come over in in different places. And then again, how they're changing around Wanda and she's changing them back because, again, it's. It's Wanda who created all of this all along. Wink, wink. Uh, Vision frees Darcy's mind. She's awake now. Hello, self. Uh, she identifies herself as Darcy Lewis. He's seen info from Dr. Darcy Lewis. So uh, I, though I think there is some question, which we can cover in theories, there's a little question. Did he see the email that she sent Wu or did he see a secret thing that mentioned her? That's a theory for later, for the right now. She doesn't need to say, well, there I was uh, in one uh, ac academic discipline, and then Thor came. It's just, oh, boom, I know your credentials. Great. It's one less thing to kind of update in real time. Uh, Pete, the, the the leotard man, I won't call him the strong man. After Can we call yours. him S? He's got a big S on his belt. S-man. Um, he tries to keep them there. You know, get it, Pete? It's part of the construct to prevent them from leaving uh, but ultimately, our heroes uh, steal a funnel cake truck and head on out. I funnel can't hear of you. Love, <laughs> indeed. Um, but Pete, take us back to Wanda's home. Yes, things keep changing back that we've seen before, Matt. There's, there's even that Easter egg. Yeah, wagging finger at Buzzfeed here. The impossible to see Easter egg of the crane, you know, which appears was a major plot point. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're like, wait, is that the bird? It goes up in the poof of smoke and whatnot. But Pete, I, I took a little chuckle at the return of the Brady stairs. Um, yeah. This is seen certainly that that's using some of these familiar icons from previous episodes, which um, I think I started this point earlier. Seeing the Brady stairs reminds me of it. Yes, we are invested in these episodes and the mystery week by week. That's a short term thing in two weeks time. You'll be able to watch all of WandaVision. So episode length won't, will no longer matter. 
uh, after the first Friday in March because it will be the one big six-hour movie or whatever it is that you want to want to look at it. It'll be hey, the big. Hey, thing. hey, hey! Feige's next-door neighbor's plumber told me that the uh, length of all these episodes together is some amount of time. Well, yeah, I I will say this, Pete. If each one is yeah, I don't know. It's going to end up being about four and a half or five hours of episode if they're all a half hour in length. You know, it could get closer to six if we have two forty fives at the end. But ultimately, Pete, we are we are relitigating what the court of Fantastic Geek has already decided. So with that, we cut to the uh, talking head of Wanda, who is you know kind of still reflecting on the nature of things. Here, the interviewer asks if this is what Wanda deserves. Some shock there. What? What? You're not supposed to talk. And of course, Perfect that's... Perfect time for a commercial. <laughs> it is. Uh, Pete, on re-review, I did listen closely to the interviewer's mm-hmm. voice. I, I Clearly, it's not, you know, it's not Catherine Hahn in her normal Catherine Hahn voice, whether it I is... I think a... it's her doing a male voice, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, whether it's her pitching it down or whether it's been electronically warbled or whatever, I don't quite know, but I... I appreciate the fidelity with which it's not, you know, the recognizable voice from the get-go. But Pete, yeah, take us to that commercial. What they've really done, if I can just speak to that, you know, I mean, listen, having podcasts, The Mandalorian, and the level to which that is rewatchable, but this on another level in terms of, hey, you know, and this in, all right, can we be honest? Like, not the greatest episode of WandaVision, but uh, a a good episode nonetheless that you can go back and and check these things out. Our Nexus commercial here, Matt, you know, pharmaceutical, uh, the woman we've seen before, which we've, I've uh, thrown out there, uh, likely, uh, Wanda's mom that we've seen in these commercials. So we return to it after uh, no uh, man, woman in the Yo Magic last week, the, the darkening sky. And then the, the best part of it laying down into the bed uh, when you get the product name and then getting up from the bed and walking into the camera, just nailing the uh, pharmaceutical uh, you know, let's be honest, there's too many pharmaceutical commercials on TV that we would be able to nail the uh, the atmosphere of it. Yeah, even even the scene, the, the one that got me where I was like, oh, this really is a perfect, perfect, not even spoof, it's a perfect, perfect in that style, is when we we see the woman enter the pharmacy, then there's the reverse shot of the male pharmacist and just kind of that like kind, like, I recognize you and I have help. Like it's just with some red light, yeah. You know, in the upper red corner, there there is at the same time the more than slightly sinister nature to it. So I think the subtext here, not even subtext, you know, with the world going on around you, you want to be left alone. Nexus will anchor you to reality or the reality of your choice. Only take it if you want to move on with your life. The world doesn't revolve around you, or does it? You know, it's all. It's all there on the surface, Pete, but in a really delicious way because it is, on a certain level, it's also reinforcing that this is all Wanda's doing, even though there are a couple of cracks to suggest that it's not. And then, boom, to Agnes's home, Senor Scratchy, my boy, showing back up, our boy, showing back up, uh, and Billy likes it there 
because it's quiet. Agnes is quiet. Yes, she's quiet on the inside. Uh, The question is asked, is mom okay? Agnes pauses and she says that uh, Wanda can do anything. She's a super mom. Cut to the talking head where uh, Agnes says that uh, Ralph tells her that she sugarcoats things. But this mom is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, Pete, I'm not, this isn't, I guess, full theory territory here. I'm a little unsure as to why Agnes would do a talking head in her own construct here, but maybe I shouldn't question it too much because this is also a show about people who move their fingers and have magic colors that do magic things. So I just wanted to share that as a notion here. I think there's a little playfulness, what, that you you couldn't both direct an episode of modern family and be on the other side of the camera fair enough fair enough back outside the hex we go where monica is suiting up in a spacesuit. uh she's going in to get darcy and indeed everybody out uh jimmy of course just in case you had forgotten you know mentions darcy not just for the save but also because there is this ostensible threat to monica's well-being going through not the once not the twice but the third time I'll say this, Pete, we made a lot of hay over, you know, the aeronautical engineer is coming once, coming twice, she'll appear in the third episode, Uh, maybe a little less hay made, but still the same, uh, you know, trio here of once through the barrier, twice through the barrier, and then the third time something different happens. Uh, Monica climbs into the rover, which again, it's the most heavily armored space rover that S.W.O.R.D. has, it'll be no problem through the barrier. Pete, the rover revs its combustion engine. Uh, I would have thought maybe it would have been electrical for space work. Maybe that was just a call made by the sound designer here. I don't know, but uh, not a source of a major quibble. I just I just kind of was expecting more of that. I don't know. More of that sweet, high-pitched, less masculine, uh, you know, electric engine revving. Whatever. Whatever you got on set here is going to get you through, but clearly not going to get her through. The barrier uh, seems it's disintegrating. No woo notes. It's being rewritten. Love how it kind of like tries to go up the hex more than anything else. They need to get Monica out. Uh, She punches out. And of course, the... uh, rewritten rover thrown back at them there's a look to woo wait what is she gonna uh she runs right for the hex and uh matt we're gonna we're gonna talk about mary kirk uh lmd mary the grand dame of uh marvel fans uh her specific take on this a little bit later but you know we have been given gifted the origin of a new hero in wandavision here and as monica tears through the fabric she's the only one that's come and gone through it now a third time into it and the way that uh different uh versions of herself have appeared within the hex as well as dialogue from Captain Marvel of her mother, of her younger self, of Nick Fury, uh, also of um, Carol Danvers here, uh, that 
uh, Monica's mother, Maria, given the toughest kid and combining all the spectrums of herself through this TV world back into herself. Her eyes glow blue and she has made it back through. She can see uh, not into the Matrix, Matt, but uh, power lines, the power emanating from them. Uh, and we will talk a whole lot about this in theories. As she sheds the spacesuit, uh, I only noticed it on the third viewing. The aspect ratio moves uh, to the, the in-show style. Um, a little less noticeable since we're not going from the square to ultra-wide screen uh, as we have in prior episodes. But, you know, it's it's a subtle move in part because you're so brought up in the action and... As to this, uh, can we say full transformation uh, for Monica here? Um, I think back to Captain Marvel where it was like, oh, that little kid in the comics turns into a hero. You know, okay. Um, And for as much as at the end of this episode, it's a great ending. But I think many people were not, you know, were not uh, super surprised that Agatha ends up being Agnes Harkness. Or Agatha Harkness, rather. Um... And all of that, I think that we saw this slowly happening to Monica. And while it wasn't maybe a super shock, I don't know that back on uh, January 15th when this show started and it was like, oh, Monica Rambeau is in it kind of sort of I heard from casting stuff like I don't know that we had a countdown to she's photon by the end of the season. She's photon with two episodes to go. Um, So I think that. Again, while it was not wildly surprising, I think that kind of collectively we as an audience slept a bit on the fact that, hey, we're seeing an origin story for an important character amidst all these other things. And I just kind of marvel, no pun intended, at the the way in which it was both in front of us and also not, you know, somewhat mysterious, but also somewhat casual. And done parallel to the storyline of, of Wanda the unity they share in their grief and and moving through it, I think pretty poignant. Speaking of grief, Matt, as the funnel of love truck puts along here, by the way, it it never rains in Westview, right? Um, We've got Darcy uh, explaining to vision, the circumstances of his death. No Thanos is never specifically mentioned but that wanda killed him and then the bad guy rewound time and then killed him and uh it's all again poignantly poignantly painfully recapped intercut is visions uh talking head confessional interview here where he wonders hear about the impediments uh, to him uh, which are preventing him from getting home indeed uh, we have a bbh electrical truck shutting down the road and making them wait by the way pete bbh a real company it is uh headquartered in georgia oh wow look at that they got a georgia bbh bb8 (laughs) uh or it stands for three last names that make up the <laughs> company who knows Pete? it could be all um, all tech is definitely uh atlanta uh <laughs> mysteries abound um ultimately there is uh discussion here so what is vision you know based on the jarvis ai then body made by uh by ultron 
Uh, Darcy, Pete, clang, clang, goes the sad bell of uh, foreshadowing, says I. Darcy saying that there's a real love between the two of them. They belong together. You should be worried by such a pure and honest and real take for the married couple here. I'm not worried for them. <laughs> well, I guess we will see. Pete, I've avoided clicking on an article on The Hollywood Reporter, the headline of something, it's Tiana Paris talking about the 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 sad ending to the season or something like that. But ultimately, Monica gets to Wanda uh, Wanda's house and enters. Wanda wants her to leave and indeed Wiggly woos her out and up into the air. Uh, if I am understanding the, uh, the, the fight choreography, kind of fight in quotation marks since it's uh, with the superpowers, but if I'm understanding the choreography correctly, Wanda smushes Monica to the ground, but Monica superpowers her superhero landing, uh, and it's that, uh, that kind of successful landing that leaves Wanda surprised that, uh, that her powers, Wanda's powers, have met an impediment. Wanda having taken her nexium, her nexus, um, uh, in the home before this confrontation and Agnes looking out her window to initially see this confrontation before coming to, of course, separate the two of them should point out too, Matt, that beneath the spacesuit here, uh, in again, the realistic style, you've got uh, Monica Rambeau in a comic-inspired outfit. Yeah, and I think also with some... I mean, first and foremost, I totally agree. Yes, it's with that realistic interpretation. I think, too, do I expect Monica Rambeau to be wearing this exact same top and exact same bottom and exact same shoes You know, in Captain Marvel 2? No, I think we're going to get something that's a little bit more stylized, a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more you know, kind of in that, you know, kind of cool leather aesthetic or whatever it is. But I think that first and foremost, it's what could you reasonably put under your spacesuit? What's the undergarment for a spacesuit? Um, and then then build it from there. Uh, there's dialogue here that uh, Monica has been telling lies. And Monica says that she hasn't lied except for what has been put into her mouth by Wanda. And ultimately, Monica says that she knows uh, Wanda won't kill Monica. She won't be the villain, even though Hayward expects her to be. Uh, and it's at this point when we have Agnes coming on to quote-unquote rescue Wanda, uh, even as Monica talks about the pain of living, uh, living with the truth, uh, the truth of losing someone. And uh, indeed, as Agnes shows up, there's this edge of authority to her, which is a different presentation of the character clearly foretelling the end of the episode uh and uh and agnes takes wanda away quick reaction shot in there of Dottie, um almost powerless it seems also the uh unnamed male guy here but he's wearing a presto uh golf shirt and of course he's uh He's got fragile packages. Back we go to the funnel cake truck. Uh, they're stopped again by a crossing guard. Kids going on by and so forth. Uh, we cut to the talking head of Vision, reflecting on how uh, Wanda lost him mere weeks ago, which again, Pete, I think is another line in this episode meant to start to reorient us 
us, the audience, to the truth of things. I think most fans know this is several weeks after the end of Infinity War and therefore several weeks after the end of Endgame. Uh, pardon me, not not after Infinity War, after, after Endgame. Um, but I think the fact that there's been this timeline stuff, both in terms of when the two movies came out, the five years between for in-show, the one year, blah, 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 the fact there have been Marvel movies, all of this to just say, hey, we're just a little bit after Endgame ended, don't forget. I think that's the purpose of this line. Then Vision says, wait, why am I wasting time in this talking head? I need to get to my wife. And an interesting story conceit here that maybe the talking head in some sort of timey-wimey, dimensional, warbly thing that the talking head is happening while he is in the truck because he... During the talking head, he takes the mic off, he hits the boom mic, he leaves. Then in the funnel cake truck, he up and you know dissolves through the uh, through through the the roof of the cab there, and off he goes. Can we acknowledge his scratch of behind his ear, uh, his hair in the confessional as a, a piece of physical acting? And again, to the reference point of. Uh, the the docu comedy, whether it's Modern Family, The Office. Oh, absolutely! And you know, it's one of those things. Was it scripted? Was it done subconsciously? Did he do it as part of his performance? You know, whatever it is, it leads to a, to a an authenticity, which is also inauthentic because of his robotic nature. Uh, but it's just a just a great touch there. With that, we go inside Agnes's house, uh, where it's tea time for Wanda. But wait, where are the boys? Uh, the music here turns sinister as Wanda sees PB&J on the coffee table, kids programming on the TV. Uh, yo Gabba Gabba, Matt. Say it with the respect that it demands. Uh, yo Gabba Gabba, indeed. Which is now MCU canonical. <laughs> Uh, we see Senior Scratchy in the cage. We also see the fly on the wall. Pete, I don't know what to make of the fly, but I know the show oh, was saying... Oh, there's a lot to make of the fly, Matt. Well, Pete, maybe it's the return of Jeff Goldblum as the fly. <laughs> I don't know. As I think we've said, might have actually been in our Star Trek podcast because uh, the, the remake of the fly with Jeff Goldblum, directed by David Cronenberg, who was in this past season of Star Trek Discovery, but... That's a Fox movie, which means it's now part of Disney. So maybe this is setting up Jeff Goldblum, The Fly, versus Jeff Goldblum in Thor Ragnarok. Pete, tell me it's at least possible for those two characters to somehow meet. Oh, I mean, make it happen. Anywho, uh, I look forward to digging into that more. Uh, But ultimately, where are the kids? Oh, they're probably playing in the basement, says Agnes from the kitchen. Wanda goes a-looking. Uh, because, of course, you're going to go creeping around in somebody else's basement. Pete, there are two parts to this basement here, okay? First is your standard basement. Uh, then there's a corner with uh, roots and what my notes call extra creepy deep. Uh, <laughs> she moves into what I think can properly be called the dungeon area. Definitely a witch's... Sanctum? Yes. Uh, a witch's castle vibe. Just, you know, all all hither and yon. Uh, and then Pete Thud goes the door. Who could it possibly be? Well, some other details here really want to point out. And, you know, you, you freeze frame and you get them. So the fly, 
really probably a cicada but meant to stand in for the fly because a single fly really kind of hard to see but uh that is very clearly in this hexagonal again chamber room there's also hexagonal uh wall they're not sconces they don't have um they don't have uh candles or torches on them but they have uh symbols there's several there's also through one of the arcs visible um some sort of uh animal head with horns maybe a ram uh in addition to at the base of the arches on the columns there is a gargoyle-esque symbol which uh, seems pretty uh, demonic shall we say ultimately uh, we have Agnes as the one who has closed the door you didn't think you were the only magical girl in town did you Uh, she introduces herself as Agatha Harkness lovely to finally meet you dear her eyes glow purple, then does Wanda's. And again, Don't Pete, forget about the book. We didn't mention the book. Pete, my first thought about the book, it was one that filled me with a little bit of trepidation. Is it the Darkhold from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also used in Runaways? Have Jeff Loeb and uh, Kevin Feige patched and made up... Peace in our time. <laughs> Peace in our time as opposed to, uh, all right, Jeff... Here's an office. We expect you to clock in every day. We will be giving you no work. Sitting there like a naughty boy. I, I don't know what the truth is, but Pete, what would you like to say about the book? It doesn't have the Darkhold cover that we've seen before, so it tells me probably not the Darkhold, but could be the Darkhold or another missing book from uh, uh, Doctor Strange. With that, we cut to... Pete, the song that we have all heard in our hearts nonstop since Friday. Uh, it's been Agatha all along. The new credits, I guess ostensibly the actual credits for the show we've been watching the entire time here. We see her switching to black and white, prepared to enter Wanda's house for the first time. We see her at the magic show doing magic-y things, purple wiggly-woos, talking to Herb in the 1970s. Uh, Pete, I must admit, third view... Uh, it, it took me into the third view to see that with Pietro at the front door there, there's purple at his back. So I think pretty definitive that this is at the very least not that, you know, through the multiverse, Pietro in the X-Men universe ran through a time ribbon and suddenly appeared here. Um, we also see her checking her makeup while talking to Vision from the Halloween episode. We see that she was the interviewer who, who dared speak uh, in this episode. And then, Pete, I will save the last sad gem for you. <laughs> that she says it as only Catherine Hahn can hear. And she killed Sparky, too, and cackles, you know, the, the purple blanket. Matt, the, the witch done killed a dog. Uh, she did, and and you know a, a fake pretty. Dog, What's that? A fake dog. Um, eh? I mean, maybe. Are you telling me that that wasn't that wasn't uh, the Johnson family's dog from two houses over prior to the hexing of everything? I, I mean, they found a dog. There were no 
uh, tags on it, no collar. I mean, the implication is, and and where I think we're we're getting past the furor of uh, you know potentially animal rights groups is that this fictional dog. Uh, it was it was bad enough. It broke me enough when they lost their dog the first time. The idea here and and how a character can have this and laugh at it. I killed your fictional dog. Well, and also Pete again. One of the uh, one of the burdens that this last third needs to uh, needs to carry. One of the story burdens is to make things clear. Um, I hear what you're saying that within the reality of the MCU probably was not a real dog, so we don't need to get too up in arms. However, Pete, we've talked about story code before. For example, when there's one uh, gunshot, it always hits somebody in the arm or the usually the shoulder, and then they can hold it and go, ah, ah, my shoulder is not too far from my face that you're recording. Ah, look, I'm acting. Um, two gunshots means trouble, you know, gunshot to the head off screen means they're dead. Pete, when a character says, I killed the little dog, are they the villain, period? I mean, I think there's a more complicated relationship here. And the overt of all along and, and what that means when this is Wanda, 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 it's all Wanda. I mean, there's a theory in screenwriting, tell the lie, make them believe the lie, change the lie, get them to believe the change. So uh, will that be the case? Remains to be seen. The true villain of the show, Matt, please stand by at seven minutes and 32 seconds of credits. But because we're Marvel fans and if you don't stay all the way through, you uh, take your little cursor and you run it over <laughs> these seven and a half minute blocks and make sure, all right, is there nothing there? Me having been burned by the first ever post-credit sequence in Star Wars with the Mandalorian uh, at the end of season two. Uh, but sure enough, there is the first ever Marvel TV post-credit sequence. Uh, we have the home of uh, Agnes Agatha Harkness now, Purple Flowers, Visible. The address, Matt, super interesting, 2804, uh, Wanted Vision's home, 2800. Uh, what's missing from the sequence of 248? Why, that would be the number six, Pete. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, in this scene, Monica is stepping up to the house, eyeing, you know, one of those side of the house back of the house basement stairway things uh she opens it and then pietro pete with purple eyes yep. arrives and again i'm so glad i watched this episode multiple times i missed it the first two times not only does he have the purple eyes that i got as he looks at her as he gives a line of dialogue to her the the reaction shot her eyes starting to turn purple which is definitely not good snoop is gonna snoop What's the deal with this episode? Pete, through the lens of the Agatha All Along reveal, where are we at on the notion that it is evil Hayward with evil plans? They say that he's going to burn the town down, metaphor, uh, you know, literal. I, I don't know. This team that they're readying um 
and and bringing them in to get his sentient weapon back uh yeah it just remains to be seen that's why i'm so hesitant i think too to truly believe is agatha harkness some super big bad or is this more like a crime of opportunity will we get a wanda flashback to properly orient us to the true timeline you know grief stricken at the at, at tony stark's house then uh breaking in then however it is that she's ensnared by by agatha and so forth are we going to get that in the next two episodes the line for me of the episode is the false world we created. Now, the assumption can be Wanda and Vision, uh, even though we know he shared no role in creating it. And he's essentially a walking corpse that other people are, are seeing more pleasantly. Um, was Wanda under Agatha's control to steal vision did that happen and then she was somehow drawn to westview and creation expansion of the hex i don't know i mean thank goodness matt there's two feature length episodes remaining says feige's uh you know pen pal uh, in another country through what I believe is reasonable Google translation. Pete, I heard that the last two episodes were actually directed by uh, famed documentarian Ken Burns and each are 10 hours <laughs> long. Um, anyhow, I, it is interesting to think, because you know, as I've said before in the podcast, I'm always very interested in what do you need to do with the time that you have left? Uh, I think we could all reasonably suspect the big battle in 109. Uh, I'm remarked, uh, pardon me, episode nine. I don't want to, I don't want to have Agatha be angry at me. Um, I'm reminded of season two of Fargo, which actually had the big battle in the uh, the second to last episode, and then spent the last episode kind of um, decompressing and concluding from there. So, bottom line being, if we assume that there's about one hour total left, uh, one hour show. Although, side note, Pete, I did see a great meme that was, they are going to be hour-long episodes. 30 minutes of footage, 30 minutes of credit. <laughs> yeah. uh, credits. Um, my point being, could we have Hayward plus Agatha all along? We could, although, uh, Pete, I'll plant my flag and say, if we haven't gotten that at the end of next week's episode then it's just time to say hayward was the you know pencil pushing goon all along and and agatha indeed the sole big bad but i think we're gonna get a lot of for whatever we didn't get for payoff in this episode i think we're gonna get in spades next week i think uh, that's where this first marvel studios entry has really defied what marvel tv was previously which is here is your bad guy slash opposing force. This is a far more complicated story and not that they've hidden their cards that next door nosy neighbor turns out to be witch. But the idea that, all right, we're, we're examining these from a sitcom point of view doesn't usually traffic in, you know, Michael Scott is the bad guy. Or Dwight Schrute is the bad guy. 
they're they're more subtle in the way that they handle things you know wanda losing control and having things change she's expanded the size the reach of the hex is she too taxed the the broadcast signal has gone dead it's gone things are falling apart she says and she can't fix them the person on the other side of the camera the interviewer the director both agnes agatha do you think this is what you what you deserve does she deserve this matt does she i mean does she deserve her shot at happiness yes does she deserve paying a price leave it this way if if for Agatha this has been a crime of opportunity or she's been operating under Hayward's order, you know, whatever, but if the trapping of these, what, 3,000 people, if that was all Wanda, uh, the fact that now more people have been pulled into that, and I think we can say that that was all Wanda, even if, you know, the the spark that lit this uh, this firework was, was uh, Agnes slash Agatha, um, Wanda is guilty of a lot here, and I think that we're willing to kind of turn a blind eye if the show wants us to. You know, it's like, guy on the ground during the Battle of New York, sorry that your hot dog push cart got crushed, but we actually, we as audience members actually don't care because Hulk, smash, and it was a cool moment to have stuff fall down, you know. Um, but, you know, Wanda is guilty of a whole lot of ill here. But Pete, your thoughts? The psychology of the piece is truly interesting and rears its head in a major way this week. You know, the WNDA, uh, you know, voiceover here, you catch a snippet, not a thing uh, weigh heavily on your conscience. So clearly there is struggle with what's going on here. Um and, you know, the, the incorporation of the pharmaceutical commercial, you know, an antidepressant um, and everything that's involved there. And even the, the questions that get asked and the side effects and, and everything there. Um, but two, I think the role that Wanda ascribes to Vision, telling the kids uh, he doesn't want to be there and there's nothing she can do about it if he doesn't want to be there. So control is an aspect that's not absolute. Um, we know before a previous episode, it was the 80s, 90s, so two episodes ago, um, when uh, Agnes said, you can't control kids. So she's taken them. She's somehow, you know, pacified the voices, the power within Billy. He's comfortable. Um, has she done something to the children or, you know, you, so you have the two spots in that basement, you know, temple area that are glowing red. Are they imprisoned? Is that their energy? Where they come from anywhere? That's why, you know, the, the dog thing too, to have a corporeal dog, to have a real dog get abducted. I mean, conceivably there are animals inside of Westview and then to kill it, you know, makes Agnes Agatha 
you know, unquestionably evil to kill a fake dog that Wanda, the children conjured, um, softens that. And again, you know, Disney Marvel Studios concern about, you know, boycotts, who knows? Well, a couple of thoughts. First of all, just to circle back to uh, WNDA for a second, I guess this shows that maybe I'm a little too focused on uh, looking at production things as opposed to story things because my take uh, for WNDA was, oh, particularly, what's the line there? Something involving secrets? Not letting a thing weigh on your conscience. My first thought was NDA, non-disclosure agreements, all this secret. And then, like, I must admit, Pete, the same BuzzFeed article that I've thumbed my nose at for finding the crane, when they pointed out WNDA is like, Wanda. It was like, oh, okay. Turn about his fair play there. Um, as to the notion of the boys, I mean, I guess my thought is this. If we are going to say no need to do hashtag justice for Sparky, because Sparky was a construct of the magic, so too the boys could be. I mean, there might be your sad ending. Yes, I was hinting before at Wanda gets no love, Vision is dead at the end of it, and and, and that's a downer. Um, maybe it's the loss of the boys who, you know, through through the power of magic were never there to begin with. Maybe that's the out. That's the story out. That's the price paid. Um but I, I, one other thing I want to focus on, Pete, we had discussed, uh, shoot, back late December, whenever it was that the episode count was revealed and confirmed as nine episodes over eight weeks, um, we had wondered, um, was it possible that maybe they had the six episodes and as they put them all together for, uh, you, you know, during COVID and they're doing editing and whatnot, you know, light bulbs went off and they said, ooh, here's a way to do a couple more episodes. Or, hey, if we move footage from here and footage from there, we can maybe create episode seven and then shoot two more, you know, things like that. Can we officially retire that theory, given that at least through these first seven episodes, there's nothing that you can move around and say, oh, actually, that 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 Jimmy Woo scene of him getting the email should have been two episodes ago. Well, well no, the email was only sent last week and things like that. I don't suspect there weren't nine scripts. Um, you know, there, there's just such a level of intent. It doesn't feel like, oh, let's turn this into an episode. Uh, are we going to look at these last two? I mean, the, the one thing, it's not been whispered anywhere near as loudly as uh, Evan, Peters, Pietro, Quicksilver, returns seven point whatever billion dollar cameo but it's been fairly loud that there's a gigantic set piece we've not yet seen um is this your hayward cavalry slash goon squad agatha wanda vision uh monica throwdown it, it would seem um, again, the, the promises of cameo cameos and all that that entails. This has been a riveting, uh, I wouldn't say rollicking, but 
just super detailed uh, first foray into Marvel Studios TV. And I think at times there's, uh, you know, a predilection to over analyze this in a, a segment in which we throw out all these theories. I think if they knew week by week what a hit the show was, you know, I think of Lost, for example, because of 24, 25, 26 episode seasons, they were able to be getting feedback, not in real time, but they were able to be getting feedback while you're shooting episode 109 and while you're you know doing a final draft for the script for 113 and so forth that ooh people are really digging this that such and such is not working and so forth nikki and paolo need i see any, say anything further um this show clearly made made in the vacuum of marvel secrecy the vacuum of the audience has not seen any of it the vacuum of covid um is there an argument to be made pre-release when, or even pre-shooting? Is there an argument to be made? We might lose a lot of people when we make them sit through a half-hour Dick Van Dyke show, um, and people are still not going to be on board when they're confused that it's like the Brady Bunch. So we need to have a Marvel movie showdown set piece thing in somewhere towards the end. And if you're going to consider, and again, I'm just projecting here, if you're going to consider episode eight and episode nine, you know, it's actually a two-parter. We're going to treat, you know, whatever it might be, we're going to come up with a, a cut in the middle because we got to get one more week of subscriptions out of there. But um, we have to have the Marvel movie showdown towards the end. I think that that's something that makes sense in a pre-production point of view. If they don't give the, give that to us, for a variety of reasons, but I don't think that we will need it, but I think it's a reasonable expectation. You know, way, uh, Hayward is planning a big attack. Um, we have multiple powered individuals of various levels of complicity and reality inside the hex. We also have 3,000 outright people. So if Agatha wants to say, all right, everyone from Elm Street and, you know, uh, Grove Street line up and with pitchforks go attack Hayward's you know Hayward's tanks or whatever it might be you know we could have that on the bat we could have thousands versus thousands hundreds versus hundreds whatever it might be we certainly could and I kind of would I don't want to say pin my hopes I would pin that as a good bet again because the show did not necessarily have the confidence to know that some of the the out there things in the beginning would end and maybe they're saying people who we lost potentially in the first month of the show we're gonna hear oh there's a really awesome battle you have to go yeah you know what you need to go back and watch the whole thing and then see the finale you make these things primarily in a vacuum and part of the reason i think there's been such little bleed off of the audience i mean i've talked to a couple people who are like oh you know i was with it early and then it just got too silly like really <laughs> um i don't think that that's the case it's still wrapped in this superhero veneer. Um, yeah, is it silly that they've examined, that they've used all these different sitcoms throughout the years? I think it's brilliant the way that they've tipped that into the story that they're telling uh, and to go as deep as it is, you know, another important line from Wanda. I have no answers. I'm beginning to think it's meaningless. Um, you know, 
I, I think there's just so much subtext and to be at episodes eight and nine, Matt, and to have things still be as up in the air as they are. Um, dare I say it probably won't be like this in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I think both situations are okay. A point that I've hit many, many times is Falcon was supposed to come out first, then this show. So I think the audience was to have been prepped for something pretty familiar than something different, than something potentially really wacky and different with Loki, uh, and then return to the most familiar comic book movie slash TV show trope of all with Ms. Marvel, uh, assuming that that's the next one. I think that's a safe bet. Um, but, you know, in terms of, I have no powers. Wait, electricity or acid or whatever. Wait, now I have weird powers. What can I do with them? You know, th- there's, there's going to be all of that. There's all different spectrums here. The fact that we've gotten it in this different order, I mean, it doesn't take away from just the, the, the bonkers and fun and ambitious uh, storytelling um, which Pete brings me to my last question, uh, something teased earlier, um, definitely on Friday and even on Saturday, uh, it was an easy conclusion to say that we were wrong on the aeronautical engineer. Then more thought process went in, then some analysis and just seeing people online saying, but wait, there could be a big reveal. So Pete, will Reed Richards show up as the aeronautical engineer or roadie or are we going to get the aeronautical engineer uh before the season is over would it have worked well for john krasinski if he's indeed been cast i mean we're hearing all these jennifer lawrence sue storm rumors all of a sudden matt as you pointed out it's it's so interesting how that completely you know bypassed the hollywood press and just immediately into the into the ether like that um, By the way, Pete, I did try and track down the origin of the Jennifer Lawrence rumor, and I was not able to. You know where it came from. Somebody was at a barbecue at Feige's house. <laughs> One of the caterers told that to somebody on TikTok. <laughs> um, so do you think – well, because here's – let me reframe this aeronautical engineer question. I think one of the real strengths of this season has been what you are feeling. When the show is making you feel things that you think are abnormal, it's doing it on purpose. You know, all these, I even think back, let's say, to the first commercial when we're like, oh, wait, we're, we're 12 minutes into like, this is just a Dick Van Dyke sitcom, but he's a robot. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't get it. I'm not thrilled. This isn't welcome back to your first mcu since spider-man what's going on then you go to that commercial and there's just you're saying wait there's something a little ominous about this they they held on the one shot for a little bit too long the music was a little extra deep strings the 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 red glow was a little extra red you know things like that where you say wait why did i feel this way because they wanted to and then in in other episodes there's been you know where uh when the when the twins are still babies and just the music all sound drops out of it and you go, whoa, this just got serious. There's real conflict here, not just, what will we do this week? So I think the fact that we are feeling, but wait, you led, you led, you know, or, or, or you brought us to something, you brought us to something, then you didn't pay off. Is that part of it, Pete? Is that adding to this future setup? It could be. Again, nobody 
said, okay, you're going to get this, that we can have the discussion that these things could happen. I think is is great that it's that loaded with possibility. And if they don't do what everybody had convinced themselves could happen, were you cheated? No, I think it would, as you said, Pete, it would just be, this is how the show set this up. You know, like, is it inconceivable? Is it truly inconceivable that Monica referred colloquially to her loyal team or perhaps the person leading the team more loyal to her that is it Goodwin? Is that the name? Um, Goodner. Goodner. You know, that which Pete, real basic storytelling here. Goodner is a good character, is a good person. Um, you know, it's like guys named Frank are frank and honest, you know, things like that. But could it be that Monica just colloquially referred to it as her guy? Like, you know, I got my guy on the inside who actually is a a woman close to retirement age, one could conceivably say. Not not Monica here, but it could be. Um, so if that's ultimately the case, fine. It's not like she said, I think there's going to be a mister who's really fantastic and his she work is... She was talking a... about us if she said fantastic. Oh, it, it doesn't need to be either way, okay? And the part of the surprises, part of being able to do this is the the secrecy behind it and, and how you're going to deliver it, okay? Guy, uh, guys would have been, you know, a little bit less leading but again what 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 are you gonna do are, are you gonna sue feige's hairstylist neighbor i don't think you are pete what questions do you have for the old theory machine uh did agnes actually bite a child uh yes yes <laughs> i don't know if we're going to see that i don't know if it's going to be presented as comically i don't know if it's going to be presented as agnes as the clown from it um or or whatever but i, I buy that even if it's just like i, I buy that i buy it 100 percent. that she wanted to show a mole to get a mole checked by wanda and then the children and this idea of boundaries came up you know like boundaries of the hex that to me might be a, a big piece of she's not fully in control herself um that's interesting i thought you were going to take it another way which is speaking of boundaries agnes's exit line is saying to the boys can you take a look at the mole it's right above my and then closes the door <laughs> like there if you're going to play just for a joke fine however in that same spirit of you know sometimes the show makes me feel unease uh, it's a little uneasy that agnes wants to Wants to show off the mole to the boys. We'll leave it at that. I'm not going to suggest anything too further, but it, it is slightly weird placement there. So much made that this is not the same Marvel Cinematic Universe as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though, uh, you know, the lead in, lead out of season one, uh, then you get into um, captain america winter soldier with uh the reveal that hydra had infested shield uh the handoff of a helicarrier for um for avengers age of ultron uh and you know not as direct 
you know, hey, I got to go do a thing, says Coulson, and revealed that, yeah, we were getting a old helicarrier out of uh, mothballs. But uh, the hula girl on the dashboard of the funnel cake truck um, is, and again, th- this is more of a generic reference, but the uh, potential that the book is the dark hold with a different cover um, seen in both shield and runaways. Is it a lot to expect? And, and even then, so shield dealt very heavily in uh, the shape of the hex. Uh, you remember back to uh, the bus, Matt, their little containment room um, had a hexagonal, pattern in it uh you know again is is that intentional set design is it overlapping in a basic geometric shape make of that what you will um but again we could at the very least have this discussion when uh you know people have told you intentionally these are two different universes they don't exist also, Kevin Feige has cut the tongue out of people who have said Iron Fist. <laughs> well, that last bit, of course, humor on your end. Uh, when it comes to whether Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the productions of Marvel television were part of the MCU or not, I mean, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is the the nature of the answer to that question changed over the seven years that S.H.I.E.L.D. was on. When S.H.I.E.L.D. was started, Marvel was all one corporation with comics, TV, and movies all under the same umbrella. And whether Kevin Feige liked it or not, the people above him, including, you know, there was a Marvel story group, the way Star Wars has a successful story group, to oversee the coordination of things. So when S.H.I.E.L.D. was started, was it the exact same universe? You betcha. That's because the bosses above Feige said so. After Age of Ultron, which let's not forget, uh, the the director, who I shall choose to leave unnamed here, given that he's increasingly just a monster towards subservience, uh, oftentimes women, um, but the fact that he is the brother of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. co-creator Jed Whedon, and uh, Jed Whedon, the spouse of of the other co-creator, Mr. Tancher Owen, uh, of course there was the opportunity for crisscross there. And for you to find the secret history of the Hellcarrier that saves the day in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. After Age of Ultron underperformed, Feige went to uh, either Disney uh, motion picture head Alan Horn or <laughs> then head of everything Disney, Bob Iger, and laid out the reasons why it underperformed, why it was the fault of the Marvel corporate structure and the Marvel story group, and the lack of... Uh, over the the lack of independence that Feige had, and Feige walked out of that meeting with Marvel Studios being its own division. So there's the difference there. That that here's why it doesn't match up at the end because corporate wise, you know, there's not a story answer. There's a real world answer. Um, so to circle back to your specifics, Pete, are we going to see a dark hold crisscross there? I mean, let's not forget. Marvel DNA is in all of this stuff, but I genuinely believe that Feige, you know, it has sent all those shows to Siberia to the Gulag, and I don't think he's going to say. I don't think the show is going to say it's the Darkhold, like previously on Shield and Runaways. 
we can have enough magic books. And Pete, I love your answer. There's another place to get magic books from. It's the library of uh, Doctor Strange, who, by the way, does have a movie coming out where Wanda is headed to it and so forth. Matt, I'm going to slide you a glass of water here and have you take your uh, Nexus, okay? Your Nexal Promicide, 10.3%, okay? And tell you that when you take it with this comic reference, the Nexus, also if we want to make it a Star Trek reference, we can and hashtag it'll all be connected, um, that this could incorporate all those things i mean what are we told in the commercial uh the reality of your choice another uh side effect is seizing your destiny or possibly more depression it's funny i let me frame my answer this way the urgency with which the pietro reveal at the door uh, suggested that the multiverse was upon us and upon us soon, and maybe soon being before this show had ended, you know, before the end of the last episode of, of episode nine. I feel like that urgency collectively, you, me, social media, and so forth, I feel like that urgency was fading away. And then with the reveal, with, with, with the confirmation that, um, confirmation is too strong a word with the reveal of there being purple magic power at Pietro's back as he as, as the door was opened to him thereby suggesting that regardless of whether he's copied from the multiverse or stolen from the multiverse but doesn't remember it like we're not about I don't think that I don't think that it's imminent imminently upon us that the multiverse uh you know uh will crack and we'll have characters pouring in and, and all of that. I think that we've, we've backed off a little on the multiverse stuff and I don't know that it's necessarily coming from this show. So to be even open enough to say, and one universe next door is the Marvel TV one. I feel like that's the last of the concerns of Marvel studio. Been a while since we've seen Senor scratchy more of a reminder than anything else, but Nicholas scratch is the son of Agatha Harkness from the comics. Will they go that? This is my son, senor. Uh, or is it more of a, hey, if, if you've read this, you know this, you have this. Old Scratch, a name uh, you know, used often in connection with the devil. Uh, and, you know, are we dealing with Mephisto are we dealing with that could they you know would it be more friendly for you know both American and international audiences instead of going with the devil we've seen the Grim Reaper helmet and the bones does that become a thing this oversized fly that might be a cicada uh, that it's that's appeared in in two locations is that what we think it is the the you know the gargoyles in the uh uh you know the basement the looks like a ram with the the horns all these things or just throwaways of course one keeps a rabbit in a cage when not playing with it uh, but 
when Wanda was in the living room by herself, somehow seeing Senior Scratchy in the cage, uh, the cage seemed more caging, for lack of a better word. So, somehow the presence of that cage seemed really um, omnipresent. So here's my thinking, Pete. And I, I didn't know about Nick Scratch until now. Um, we've heard reference made to Ralph, the husband. Uh, you're now telling me that you know Nick Scratch is the son in the comics. Um, that rabbit definitely, appropriately, when in the house, uh, was in a cage. The fly seemed rather trapped as well. Perhaps the fly is Ralph and... Uh, Nick has been turned into Senior Scratchy, and it's only going to hammer home the evil of Ag Agatha Harkness, who, again, just there's two episodes left. I don't think that we're going to get... If you want to tell me, you know, Agatha, it's been Agatha all along, and Hayward is in there too, I'll buy that. I am less apt to buy the notion that then Mephisto is going to be added to it as the real, real villain. Um, I think that you could get story mileage out of my husband is trapped as a fly my son is trapped as a bunny in a cage because i really am the big bad says agatha at least in in story if not in dialogue what if she's been in prison here too again i don't think that that's impossible but i'm just again story clock we're running out of time to have another big reveal oh and we are still also expecting this person that uh, Paul Bettany always wanted to work with, you know, whether it's going to be Carol, Carol Danvers, Nick Fury, Reed Richards, uh, Rhodey, uh, Colonel James, Captain James Rhodes, uh, anyhow, James Rhodes of the United States Air Force and so forth, whatever it is, we have that too to look forward to. I just don't know that we're getting another big bad reveal. You want to go where people know you want to go where everybody knows your name. Last call to hear some of the thoughts of our listeners, Pete, and we start with our duo of Twitter polls. Uh, the first one being, how would you rate this episode? Uh, one star takes Mike off, got 1.1%. Uh, so Pete, that was basically like one person because this was a very, very nicely trafficked poll. Uh, two stars, marvelously meh, got 6.5%. Three stars, fairly photonic, that's with the double PHs, got 19.6%. And then four stars, uh, fan-four-stick, you know, like where the A is the four like they did for the terrible Fantastic Four movie, got 72.8%. So, Pete, I don't know the best way to use these as an overall guide, but if one looks at percentage of voters giving it a four-star, it's down from the last couple of weeks, but still is pretty enthusiastic at almost 73%. And again, I, I don't think their best episode. I don't think this is the one that you show people if you're going to try to hook them, apart from the fact that it's the seventh episode in a series. But uh, the the payoff potentially, you know, with Agatha and everything there, it's not as if we'd been talking about that for a number of weeks. And then, boom, there it is. Uh, so, yeah, I think a, a good one, but not their best. So, and we'll return to some of the Twitter uh, replies to that poll in a second. This, the, the second poll, um, to me, Pete, it was a no-brainer. And I'm fascinated to see that people wildly disagree. I shouldn't say no-brainer because that sounds like people who aren't, don't share my opinion that, that I disagree with. The second poll I ran was, 
Uh, who's showing up in the last two episodes of WandaVision? First choice, Captain Marvel got 24.2%. Second choice, Reed Richards got 12%. Third choice, both got 12%. Um, so to me, I'm like, not for nothing. It's got to be one of those, both, or, or two of them. That was my thought process. The fourth option on the poll, neither slash other, reply below. 51.5% of the people said neither or reply below, which I thought was fascinating. Um, Spider-Ham Lincoln says Doctor Strange. Ben Larson says uh, twice now we've heard Captain Marvel's voice uh, and she's been name dropped. Um, Andre Yeager says Doctor Strange as well. And Miles Price says Mephisto slash Nightmare played by a big name actor. So let me get your response there, Pete. What do you think of the, of all those options? Which one do you they're, think is most likely? They're, they're all in the toy box. And I think that's great. And what do we get to do, Matt? We get to watch them and then we get to have the conversation. So everybody wins. You know, if you're going to be the person that is going to pound your fist, uh, that you didn't get what you wanted after this, I fully expect you'll be watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier in a month. Uh, So going back to some of the Twitter replies here to the main response thread, JT Atkins, that's at JTA's me, uh, says, I'm counting on you for the Agatha backstory. Love the episode and all the little touches. And as a producer of videos, how polite that Vision removes his mic before storming off. Creepy, great fun. The layers, attention to detail. Welcome, Monica. Can't wait for the penultimate episode. So, Pete, I know we've touched on it a little bit, but can you just give us the Cliff Notes version here of Agatha? Yeah, and that they include the brooch. Uh, when she comes downstairs and the hair is a little bit askew, she's got the rabbit as opposed to not wearing it the rest of the episode. She's had it on at other times as well. Uh, so Agatha Harkness goes back to Salem, Massachusetts. Again, heavy association with uh, the devil, Mephisto, in the comics. Um, and that her child Nicholas scratch believed to have been conceived with the devil, uh, separate character and adventures on his own there, how deep they'll go into that. You know, are we going to get an entire episode of when I was at the Salem witch trials and they thought they got rid of me and burned me. And I wound up in a fictional town in New Jersey that fantastic geek lays claim to uh, podcast from, I don't think they're going to go there. Um, but again, could, could they give us a little bit? We, we've seen so little that remains, uh, for them to bring into the show. Uh, so yeah, just bring it on, man. Uh, next up a pair of tweets from Noel Gardner, Pete Noel, having earned from us the title captain Noel Gardner, uh, head of Falcon and the winter soldier and her great enthusiasm for that forthcoming show. But, uh, captain Gardner here. Captain Noel, I don't know exactly which which one is the superhero one. She'll have to let us know. But uh, Noel sharing some thoughts here about WandaVision. I'm loving the aspect ratio changes for inside and outside. I noticed that it shifts when Wanda enters the basement tunnel. Is that somewhere else? Billy saying Agnes was quiet inside. Is she blocking him from reading uh, reading her? I'm so relieved Darcy wasn't fused to a car. Pete, we could have had our Knight Rider spin off there. Uh, I don't think we saw the aerospace engineer, just the crew. Monica's still making faces when Carol, Carol is brought up. Has something happened in the last few weeks? Carol was nearby for Tony's funeral. Did they meet up? 
Monica gets her powers? Yes. Uh, so, Pete, I did not notice the aspect ratio change when Monica enters the basement. If they're now doing uh, aspect ratio changes that are more subtle, I mean, it just adds to the craft of this show. They really are. And, you know, when it happens and who it's happening for and the question of perspective, it's it's fascinating and it's thoughtful that it's been done to that level. You know, all right, you're going to make a 50s, 60s inspired tv show the length to which you're going to do that and you know a live audience you could have simulated that and then the fact that we went into a lockdown not long after um but yeah that they went to these links definitely a higher uh threshold in terms of of doing it and you know it's going to be interesting to look back once you have all of this and and see how that continues to play out. Some more tweets here. We heard from JT Atkins again. Oh, and when Agnes intervened with Wanda and Monica, the music was mighty framework-esque. So I think more more hope for some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. juice there. James the Sagacious, that's at Big Cone on Twitter, obviously not my, or honestly not my favorite, but doesn't every season have a setup episode? Uh, we heard from Sista Ray, that's at Sista underscore Ray, mightily impressed with the acting in the Modern Family segments and the Agnes reveal with the scenes in the basement were just creepy enough for the kid. Uh, Pete, Sista Ray's words here reminds me of the question I meant to ask before. We're now in the 2010s for sitcom styles. Have we run out of the sitcom trope? What are your thoughts for next week? That we've seen you know, the, the breakdown that things come back. I get the feeling that is language for, you know, whether the Brady stairs could be the, the place where a fight breaks out or, you know, object from somewhere else, some other time thrown at, at somebody. It's it's such a blind spot these next couple episodes. I mean, they've kept the lid on this really, really tight. Hence, speculation at cameo slash cameos. Uh, who's gonna fight? What's gonna happen? How it's gonna end? It really is the Truman Show, Matt. How will it all end? Uh, we heard from Jackie Wolf. It's at Jackie Wolf with an E at the end there. I noticed that uh, the parts of the exterior, uh, pardon me, I noticed that parts of the exterior of Agnes's house were painted in a haint blue, which was believed by the Gullah people of the Carolinas to ward off evil spirits. Wondering if it's, uh, if it's an intentional choice on the part of the set designers. That's a great catch there. I uh, heard from Envisioning Wanda, that's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Another stellar episode. Monica going through the hex wall was incredibly well done. Loved seeing Darcy interact with Vision. Really hope we continue to see her in future MCU projects. Not a real shock about Agatha, but nice to see it revealed and revealed so well. Can't wait to see how it all fits together and why. So cool to see Photon coming into the picture after the setup in Captain Marvel. All the performances are great, but Elizabeth Olsen is killing it. Sad that there's only two episodes left. Good thing The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is up next. Uh, we heard from Nathan Nolan Edwards. It's at Nolan Edwards on Twitter. I am still a little unclear why different objects kept blinking to different versions of them than Wanda could move them back. Also dying to know more about Pietro. Snooper's going to snoop. So, Pete, where do you stand on that? Is it Wanda losing her control over things? Is it Agatha 
asserting her control, Agatha losing her control. Your thoughts? I really like the idea that they're both kind of battling for control with something else. And I think there's a lot of text to point to with that. Um, Agatha's line about the inability to control children. Well, you know, if Scratchy is a rabbit, why can't she revert him back? Um, if it's Nicholas Scratch and not just, all right, we're going to use that, but but not do the, the son storyline. Um, just, again, that, you know, there's so many possibilities that they haven't painted themselves into a corner seven episodes out of nine in speaks to the, the possibility of it all. Uh, we heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at Tess LC 139 quick hits for episode seven. Finally, a post credit scene. Pietro was ominous. Agatha all along great reveal, but I get some red herring vibes like Agatha isn't a villain and that she, uh, that she really is there to help. Uh, to somehow help Wanda with her purple magic, finally freeing Wanda from whatever spell she's under. The basement lair was appropriately spooky. Was that the Darkhold book? Will Billy and Tommy be young adults the next time we see them? Is Agatha actually protecting them somehow? Monica gets powered up. Can't wait to meet Photon. Still, no aerospace engineer. Maybe the super vehicle that Wanda drove into the hex was all we'll uh, hear about the mystery engineer for now. Vision scenes with Darcy were the least bit interesting part of the episode, though Escape Artist was a clever bit. The modern family sitcom aspect was just okay, and the WandaVision opening uh, them, despite having lyrics, reminded me a lot of the Office theme music. The slow build has been worth every minute and rewatch, and then it's all finished. Uh, when it's all finished, it will be even better. And then lastly here, looking forward to how WandaVision will tie into Doctor Strange 2 and other MCU stories. As always, your podcasts are fantastic. Pete of the PH, and he says, thanks, guys. Then there's one more uh, tweet here. Bonus, the Nexus medication commercial is especially intriguing. For spoilers, I suggest you research Agatha Hartness, Kang slash Immortus, and Nexus being. Uh, and he references us to an article on comicbook.com about Agatha Harkness, so some good stuff there. Continuing on with the tweets, we heard from Armor79, that's at Armor79 on Twitter. Could there be a portal in Agatha's basement? It could lead to other dimensions. Ooh, I really like that. The commercial mentions Nexus, and the aspect ratio changes when Wanda goes farther into the basement, which means that the basement is no longer in uh, the WandaVision world. So some great thoughts there. Uh, Andre Yeager the aforementioned Dr. Polo in 1983 says, I actually got misty when Monica went through the hex. I don't know why I get so emotional, but happy Photon is here. They did a great bait and switch with Agnes. I'm going to sleep for a week so I can wake up next Friday morning. There had been a question from Sarcastic Canadian, is last week the final episode? And uh, James and others clarified, uh, no, it is the second to last episode. Uh, and then the last tweet here from Kevin Loves Star Wars, that's at Loves Star Wars, Loves L-U-V-S, says, of the episode, I absolutely loved it. So certainly some enthusiastic response here for this anti-penultimate second to last episode of the season. With that, Pete, take us to Facebook. First, an apology, Matt, via Facebook. So sometimes Facebook, we're on both the app and then there's 
a secondary Facebook business suite app, and sometimes neither wants to keep things in its stead. So I completely uh, missed Robert T. Frost's uh, write-in last week. He he replied, no problem, of course, because that's that's Bob. So we're gonna begin with him uh, for this week, Matt. He writes in. Uh, guys, I had to laugh at myself when I realized that this specific podcast is the one I've listened to the most ever. Hearing a point, I would have to jot down a note or a thought and then realize that I just missed the last five minutes. So I'd have to back up. I have listened completely through twice, backed up at least four times, and actually remembered to pause the podcast. I don't know how many times. What a rabbit hole. And it's fantastic with the ph matt i rewatched the scene um where there appears to be two sources of vibranium being tracked i don't think that's the case i think what you saw was a sub or pop-up window of information specific to vision darcy had the same pop-up window on her display but in a different location on the computer screen I think Monica's mystery aerospace engineer is Ben Grimm. He is a pilot, and many pilots study aerospace engineering for their degree. He is He's a pilot, a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, and a veteran of NASA. So plenty of opportunities to meet and befriend Monica. Can't wait for the next episode. Your friend, Bob. He also took the commercial slightly differently. The young castaway couldn't open the Yo Magic, not because he was too emaciated and weak but because he has no magic just like vision can't leave or open the hex because he has no magic yeah it's funny pete uh i'll i'll read a comment a little bit too that also disagreed with my take about the second object or phantom second object so if if i was wrong about that and given that there was not a big reveal of Vision number two slash Vibranium Wolverine or or, or whatever. Um, uh, Pete, uh, this episode suggests I was wrong, and if I'm going to conclude the series having been wrong on it, uh, then I, I fess up up front as to the mistake. Bob added as well, uh, he looked up the Twitter poll on Fantastic Geek uh, and would vote three stars. Fairly photonic. I found this episode to be a little slow, much like Vision's and Darcy's journey back to Vision's home. Slow into the final act with Agatha's reveal. Now, that's a finish. Bravo to Jack Schaefer and team for the most delicious red herring we have ever been served up, or have we? Is Monica's aerospace engineer Major Goodner, or... Have we yet to be introduced? Weeks of speculation, digging backgrounds, connecting dots, real and imaginary. Whether or not another big cameo is involved, this has been a masterful stroke that tantalized everyone. Uh, Greg, he's writing a Greg Gear. We'll read him in a second. Uh, another uh, friend on the Fantastic Geek Facebook page uh, thought the same thing. Uh, that has to be the dark hold. The rover looked like a modified rover from The Martian. I half expected Monica to pull Mark Watney, Matt Damon, out of the rover's cab. Now, that would have been a cameo. Well, we've certainly seen Matt Damon cameos in Matt other... Matt Damon. 
<laughs> Matt Damon to do Matt we, Damon. We, we've seen cameos of that actor not once but twice in separate Marvel properties. I'm talking Thor Ragnarok and uh, Deadpool too. So uh, he's coming in um, the next one. He's Falcon coming in the Winter Soldier. The, the next Thor movie. Ah, Pete. Maybe he's playing uh, uh, Pilot Ben Grimm or Reed Richards or uh, or Mephisto. Yeah, there you go. So Greg Gear writes in, hey, guys, mind is still working on overdrive after the last episode. Talk to a bunch of friends who all have a ton of theories. So I'm looking forward to Sunday's podcast to hear what fantastic PH ideas you two have. Couple of thoughts. So the Nexus commercial is a pretty blatant reference to the comic idea of Wanda being a Nexus or a focal point for magic. Is something feeding off all this magic slash energy? Are they the ultimate big bad? Is that ultimately what the Yo Magic commercial was all about? Yes, the commercial still bothers me. Do you think that the rover was CGI? If not, that vehicle uh, did they trick out? Or what vehicle did they trick out? Uh, glad to see Dottie again, albeit briefly. They kind of set her up to be important. Why sideline her so many episodes? I'm hoping we see more of her in the next one. Loved how the delivery guy was handling a package prominently labeled fragile when Agatha had to calm Wanda down. It touches, it's touches like these that make this series so great. While Wanda's magic is red, Agatha's magic is purple, which matches up with Nico's magic from Runaways. Uh, so can we assume that Agatha is also pulling from the dark dimension while Wanda is not? The inclusion of the voices of Captain Marvel, Maria Rambeau, and Nick Fury during Monica's transformation was incredibly cool. If you needed more proof aside from glowing eyes and seeing matter in a different spectrum, get it? that Monica now has superpowers. The creators could not resist having her do a perfect superhero landing. The only thing missing was Deadpool clapping off to the side. Uh, one of the theories, Matt, when they did the, the docu-comedy was going to be that Deadpool would would be the interviewer or, you know, holding the, the mic or what have you, which that could definitely still be a thing. You know, maybe maybe at, at the end of all this, you know, oh, that's a wrap. And we we pan over it. It's Deadpool. Right? He was there the whole time. That'd be really cool. So that has to be the dark hold. Right. Even if it looks different, it has to be the same book. Was it Wanda preventing Vision and Darcy from reaching the Mac Maximoff homestead? Or was it Agatha all along? Speaking of which, the theme song as an homage to the Munsters was just perfect. Monica's eyes flashed purple when she was caught by fake Pietro. What do you think that means for the next episode? Okay, that's all for now. Can't wait for Friday. Excelsior. Certainly, I mean, to, to, to say without a doubt it was Agatha all along. Um, this from the same show that told you at the top of it that everything that you're seeing is created by Wanda Maximoff. So 
you know, the, the, the credits, if you will, the faux credits, the faux show credits, uh, are not a reliable source. Um, time will tell. Like I've said before, we're running out of episodes here to say, and actually it was the Devil and Mephisto, who are two separate Marvel characters, in conjunction with Blade, and crossing over with uh, X-Men Universe, Pietro and Patrick Stewart, along with John Krasinski as like at a certain point you're just out of episode, you're out of time to do all of this. Um, I guess because another solution is although we're down on the idea of longer episodes as truth, we'd like to see them, but longer episodes as truth for episodes eight and nine, we'll find out Friday the next two Friday mornings if you sit and go, wait, it says seventy two minutes. What 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 just even then with with te- whoa this is going to be giant so. There still is plenty of possibility for all sorts of craziness. The notion of a second season as well, you know, something they've yet to dismiss. We've talked about the business reasons why you wouldn't say, and this is only one season, but we'll see. And Paul Bettany is released from his contract (laughs) because he's, oh, oh, no, you know, yeah. Uh, He'll have to give an interview to whomever. Steve Adams writes in, Matt, this show is an absolute circus Literally, I can't even come up with any new theories at this point, especially since the only one I've gotten right so far is Agnes being Agatha Harkness. I know that was really going out on a limb. Every time we think we figure out an answer, this show rewrites all the questions. Some questions do arise, though. Will Vision die again? What does Agatha really want? Where are the boys? What will the fallout be when the hex comes down? What role does Hayward still have to play? I still feel we are heading towards a universe-shaping finale in the next two weeks, and we might may not even get a definitive ending. Uh, we may have to wait for Doctor Strange 2 to bring this story to its conclusion. The show has been so incredible, I can't help but wonder if Falcon and Winter Soldier as well as Loki, will fall flat by comparison. This show has been nothing short of an astounding success. Until next week, stay fantastic. It is interesting to think that the show that the show that six months ago or a year ago was like, oh, they're in a sitcom or something, and obviously there's a mystery, but they're in a sitcom. Like to sit and go, hey, they filmed before a live studio audience in black and white, and they didn't know how to color vision because of black and white. Like, to go from there to, there's the possibility that there's an open-ended, universe-defining, redefining ending. I mean, it is astonishing. I will say this. In the original pre-COVID chronology of all of this, uh, likely this episode, likely this show would have started... Um, uh, either Christmas Eve or the or or New Year's Eve, uh, and then would have concluded what about uh about February, end of February somewhere in there. Then it would have been so. Imagine you know we're actually in February as we record this. Imagine you look ahead to November of 2021, November this year. That's when Doctor Strange Two was going to come out. So on the one hand, that's a long time to wait. On the flip side. You know, the reveal of the twins at the end, or for any of these post credit scenes that set up the next thing for the Marvel movies, it's a long way away. So 
yeah, I know that we we haven't dug deep into the idea that Doctor Strange is going to be the cameo. Um, I know some people like like Andre Yeager had had put that forth in our in our comments. Um, to say, oh my goodness, chaos everywhere in the universe to be continued not in Loki, because that's going to be time-hopping, to be continued not in Falcon the Winter Soldier, because it took place before, even though because of COVID it's after, um, and we can just fix that in Falcon and say, you know, it's the day after everybody returned, and people go, okay, great, it's not WandaVision time yet. It could be that this leaves us hanging until Doctor Strange 2. It's not outside the realm of possibility. be interesting to see how they might hint at that production you know do we get a uh you know post-credit scene a la mandalorian you know coming 2022 doctor strange and the multiverse of madness to be continued in that sort of thing demetrius hunter writes in to the fantastic geek facebook page hey guys new listener and loving the podcast i don't think i've heard this somewhere but could pietro be loki he seems to take loki's very cynical view of things throughout episode six and it all plays with his want of pure chaos at every turn could he be substituting mephisto in the storyline and segueing into loki's own mcu show I highly doubt Marvel would just introduce Mephisto as the quote-unquote big bad and leave everyone but those familiar with the comics uh, scratching their heads at why this person is so terrible. Loki, uh, we've seen almost destroy Earth and most people. Even those with only base movie knowledge know he can be a force to be reckoned with. Just my thoughts keep up the phenomenal work pete i do love the idea that the cynicism might reflect loki we've seen the loki shape-shifting slash projection uh that would be in line with that uh his penchant for the evil and of course we do have less good loki in terms of where he was rescued uh, from in the timeline for endgame and of course the loki show that was intended to come right after this. So I love that as a theory, and uh, let's 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 pin that one up on the old corkboard. Mary Kirk, uh, she screamed uh, when when she saw the Nexus. There it is. Uh, noticing the book as well. Was it the Darkhold? Was it not? Um, the purple in the basement, the veins. Uh, and the man formerly known as Pietro that she's calling him here uh, and Monica's eyes seem purple. Uh, is that her power seeing Agatha's or Agatha controlling her? Um, and uh, it was in a um, an audio message. I'm not going to play it because Mary's excitement got the best of her and the uh, the Apple podcast rating <laughs> might blush, uh, but she uh, on board like us uh, and just overwhelmed with the way that they've done Monica's origin story. Um, I mean, for me, the resonance that they've given her this long swath of story to tell it instead of, you know, here's a thing in a two hour movie but to make it such a big part of this show. Um, 
and Mary's really that it's self-actualization, that she has made herself into uh, a superhero here befitting of all the other characters in the pantheon that we've got. Uh, I, I can say this where Mary said it really, really bad ass. Yeah, definitely a, a point to not lose sight of the fact that uh, Wanda is so self-actualized. Pete, take us to your email inbox. So Sean Proa writes in here, fantastic MCU geeks. I am ecstatic to discover you covering WandaVision. I did not find you on CastBox until this weekend. I don't even know what CastBox is, Matt, Uh, but you've apparently got us on there. So bravo. Since season one of Disco, he's referring to Star Trek Discovery, you have entertained and educated me on all my favorite shows. Peter, your spooktacular breakdown was your very best podcast in three years of listening. I'm blushing right now. Your interpretation of the Yo Magic commercial was remarkably insightful and a lot more nourishment that... uh, that starving kid got (laughs) and oh my gosh to find out fred from the netherlands follows also was kick-ass please fred call into the show with your dutch analysis i am changing my theory again i renounce all prior 3000 of them and the uh the email was uh uh headlined here the subject line mcu fan ph of course, theory 3001. So I renounce all prior 3000 of them. The big bad is Loki, God of mischief and mayhem. So another here in the box for Loki, Matt, three primary reasons. Given the Halloween episode, we have all jumped on the modus operandi of a Mephisto slash nightmare character and completely overlooked an equally likely one. Loki's favorite day must be halloween tricking and treating wanda manipulating her and her powers for nefarious purpose i don't believe there is any evidence that rules him out and stop and reestablishes his existence for loki to explain loki comes out in may 2021 on disney plus tom hiddleston made a guest appearance on a wandavision virtual launch and posed the tongue-in-cheek question to paul bettany When we last saw Vision in Infinity War, he was no longer living, but now he's alive, Hiddleston said. I was just wondering, don't you think that's more of a Loki thing? My kind of thing. There is more than one way to interpret their exchange. Satan. Satan loses and offends the entire Chinese market. Why would Disney Plus burn the Asian market with a television show disney may be bigger than satan some say is satan but they are not going to burn shareholders profits so i mean clearly that's speaking as to the character of the devil um might that also extend i mean first of all i think that's an excellent observation um and that's the world that we live in where you're making properties uh for a global audience Pete, do you think that uh, the same thinking might rule out a Mephisto reveal? Mary thought they might pivot and just say, well, it was Grim Reaper. Grim Grim Reaper is the devil 
I don't think they'll go devil or Satan. Last bit for the last call here, Pete. We had somebody call into our listener line, 732-707-1815. And let's take a listen to that message right now. Hi, Fantastic Geek crew. Just want to say thanks for um, an awesome series. And I also want to point something out with WandaVision Episode 6 and get your guys' thoughts on it. Um, When Hayward said, um, who's the sassy best friend, I was wondering if that was a jab at Monica's role in the Hex as Geraldine and um, how sassy she was. And then I also wonder if it's foreshadowing what Darcy's role will be in the Hex as she's now been sucked in. So just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that and say, hey, thanks again. Well, thank you for that call, mysterious caller. Pete, no, no name given, so uh, our own mystery here on the podcast. But um, definitely a great thought there about the the nature of Monica being the sassy best friend within the world of the Hex show. Uh, Pete, just proof that seven little half hours into this episode, there's so much depth to pull from it. And that you look at the tropes of TV and then they reflect back into the real world and then back into the hex Monica has gone gaining powers, uh, you know, playing a, a far bigger role in the narrative with a, with a, you know, lowercase and then a, a capital and here, and then Darcy pulled in. I know again, uh, Mary was pulling for let her become a, a waitress. Let's, let's do the uh, two broke girls thing. Um, they had put out a poster of Darcy when she showed up and it's one of those where they have the TVs and there's different parts of the character in the TV. And she had on the escape artist costume top in it. And people are like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, now you know what it means. And, And certainly Pete, we're by and large out of footage uh, I know there's always kind of the, the preview for next week that they will put on social media a couple days out, but we're currently out of footage for what's ahead. We are potentially out of sitcoms for what's ahead, although not definitively. I guess we could do another 2010s, but um, <laughs> everything that's brought us for these first seven episodes has led to more uncertainty, even as we start to dial in some levels of certainty like Project Cataract and things like that. So lots of road ahead for the next two episodes. And of course the season recap the episode after that, how can people join in on the conversation? Pete, how can they talk to you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K E T E L A A R 11,820 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do me a touch of the podcast comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Well, I know we will be back next Sunday for episode eight of WandaVision. As I said, mysteries abound. For now, though, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. Fine, I'll go out with you, but I'm ordering lobster.